It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Des Bryant's uh, catch in the playoffs a couple years ago isn't a catch. How is that a catch? After review, the call on the field stands. Touchdown. I just don't understand the rule, then. Thank you for that excellent analysis, Kirk, on what is a catch, what isn't a catch. If you guys actually remember where that quote comes from, it comes from when he was mic'd up last year when we throttled the Green Bay Packers on Sunday Night Football, and Jordan Nelson had a catch early in the game for a touchdown that he dropped it when Norman punched it out, but they still called it a touchdown. So thank you again for that excellent analysis, Kirk. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Redskins. I'm your host, as always, Zach Hicks. Now, today's show, we have some awesome things planned. We're going to talk about the benefits of tanking versus the benefits of winning out and how that affects a team. And also, we're going to do Pick a Prospect on here for our new new segment called Daily Pick a Prospect. So we're going to do that as well. But first off, we're going to start with talking about Juju Smith-Schuster and his hit on Vontez Burfick last night and how controversial it was. And to help me break down all those topics that I just spoke about there, we have Nathan Britton of Breaking Football and Rigos Rag returning for the second time here on the podcast. What's up, Nate? What's up, Zach? Thanks for having me again. Yeah, no problem, man. Now, before we jump into any of this, we actually just found out that we grew up in the same area here. I mean, Patriots obviously the better school than Battlefield, right, Nate? Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. <laughs> We'll call it that. Yeah, Nathan's school actually won a state title here in Virginia, if you guys heard of Battlefield High School. So it's a fun little uh, tidbit there. But let's jump right into today's podcast. Now, our first issue we're going to talk about is not really Redskins related. Juju Smith got suspended, I think, one game for his dirty or controversial hit, whatever you call it, on Vontez Perfect. Now, Nate, what's your initial reaction to the hit? Well, when I first saw it, I immediately thought, you know, Robbery. It probably was a dirty hit, but I went back and watched a few times, and you see how close Le'Veon Bell is running there, and it's just a normal block. Maybe he was could have gone a little lower. Maybe he could have just put his hands on him, but he didn't target. He put his shoulder into his chest, not his helmet or anything. So I think that really the only thing wrong with that play was him standing over him and taunting him. Yeah. It was perfectly legal. I think it's ridiculous that he got suspended, and they just came across the news feed that they upheld it, so he won't play against Baltimore. I think that's a little bit ridiculous. You know, let, let the guys play football. I'm completely with you. Uh, what what position did you end up playing in high school? I played H back, mixed between fullback, tight end. We ran kind of a funky everything at Battlefield, so I'm not sure if you're familiar with that position. But yeah, yeah just between fullback, tight end, and then I played a little bit outside linebacker. Gotcha. So I'm sure you know playing some outside linebacker. You've been the victim of some of those crackback blocks, right? Yeah, definitely. Did you ever think they were dirty blocks? or I mean, it's just teaching you to keep your head on a swivel, right? Yeah, exactly. It's one of those blocks where you get hit like that and you get pissed off, but you know, you're know you not mad that it was a dirty play because it wasn't. As long as he didn't lead with his helmet or you know put his shoulder into your head or anything to try to intentionally hurt you or go down at your knees, you can't be mad at it. It was a legal play. It was below the neck, above the knees. So, yeah, perfectly fine with me. Yeah, I'm completely with you. And that's where I think the outrage is kind of confusing me, too, because it's not like he 
directly speared him in the head with his helmet or anything like that. He led with his shoulder, made contact in the chest, where his head ended up hitting, what, Burfick's face mask or something? That's where it came from? I don't really yeah. see the dirtiness or the cheap shot. Now, again, the taunting makes it look a lot worse than what it was. It makes it look like it's an intentional attack to hurt him, but it's not what it was. It was a crackback block on a swing pass, and that's what all players do. Heck, when, when I played receiver growing up or when I played offensive lineman growing up when I was really little, anytime you saw a guy not looking your way, moving towards the ball, you, you get so excited to go hit that dude. Yeah. Like that's that's the best feeling in the world right there. When you can when you can hit someone legally and just knock them over. There's no better feeling than that. Crackback blocks are like everything that everybody wants in football. It's what you kind of dream about when you're playing. You know, when you're a little kid growing up, you dream about cracking somebody from the side, knocking them on their butt, and that's that's what it was. So I, I don't see the dirtiness of it. It kind of annoys me. And yeah, you you said it right. You don't believe that he should have got suspended at all for this. No, I, I don't think so at all. Now, I do understand that, like you said, with him taunting, it looks a lot worse. It looks like it wasn't intended to hurt him. And what doesn't Juju in this case was when he was being interviewed post-game, Antonio Brown come behind him yelling, karma, karma, karma. Because that looks like it was something like they were on the sideline and said, hey, let, you know, let's let's make him a target. Let's make him a victim. Because he's had so many dirty plays, not only against the Steelers, but against numerous teams throughout his whole career. So it doesn't uh, Juju on the suspension front was it intentional was it not with Antonio Brown getting behind him making an ass out of himself but it is what it is I guess at this point you know, they're going to go in they're going to stomp Baltimore so I'm sure one week of rest isn't going to hurt yeah exactly and that was actually my next question would be you think if it was any other player there would be such an outrage over this from you know Bengals fans or from people watching the game if it was any other player that he hit besides perfect no I don't think so I think that with Burfick's reputation, it gets amplified, much like we do with Kirk Cousins. And yes, I'm, we're bringing the conversation back to Kirk Cousins. I will never <laughs> let it go. Please function right. Please sign him. But with, with the attention that's on to him because of his past and his reputation, I think that it will be looked at in a different light of, if that was just whoever, George Ioka or whatever the guy is, who hit Antonio Brown in the same game in the head, who got suspended, if it was him getting just regularly, I think it would, wouldn't have been as big of a deal. But since it's a guy who has put numerous players, I believe he tried to, maybe it was earlier this year when they played or he played someone else, he stomped on somebody and Le'Veon Bell even spoke yeah. out about how wrong it was. So I definitely think that it, it looks like Perfect had a target on his back because he does and Juju took a shot at it. Yeah, again, and yeah, again, the, the whole thing that we're kind of trying to say here is it's not, it was not a dirty hit. If anyone who has ever played football watches that play, you don't ever say that's a dirty hit. Growing up playing football, crackback is part of the game. It's it's you know it's not even just part of the game. It's something that we all want. It's something as a receiver you dream about. You know when you're a little receiver, I was 130 pounds my freshman year in high school. Anytime I saw a linebacker not looking my way when I was going for a crackback, I got excited because it's the only way I can knock a linebacker backwards. I know I was a little guy, and that that's that's an exciting thing when you can see the opportunity for a crackback. Now injuries are a horrible thing, but they're just part of the game. And yes. it's it un- it's an unfortunate thing that comes with playing the game. You do it for the love of the game, and injuries happen. And nobody wants to see it. Nobody's excited that he got carted off. I mean, look at Juju. His his post game stuff. He was he was really not buying into the whole everything that Antonio Brown was screaming there. So I don't think yeah. Juju did anything wrong here. I think he made a football play, a legal football play on a crackback block. And honestly, I think there's just way too much overreaction because there's a lot of emotion to this. I get people having emotions to injuries like this. So I get both sides of this, but I, I just see it as a completely clean play. Definitely. I, I think if you want to make the argument that it was an unnecessary hit, you can perfectly perfectly fine having that argument, saying he could have 
extended his arms or put through his whole body into it instead of just his shoulder. I guess you can make that argument if that's what you want, but I don't think anything about it was illegal or necessarily dirty. So I'm not I'm not for the Juju Smith Schuster suspension. Me neither. Maybe a fine, but for the taunting, but not not a suspension at all. I'm I'm completely yeah. with you there. All right, guys. Yeah. Now we're gonna jump into our main topic here in just a second. But before we jump into that, I just remind you guys to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Locked On Redskins getting a lot of reviews, a lot of subscriptions on there. I love all of them so far. We are still a five star podcast, so be sure to go on there and keep that trend going. I, I do re- read all the reviews, so if you're gonna be mean, please be at least a tad censored. But go down there, guys. Rate, review, and subscribe. Locked On Redskins on iTunes. This Locked On podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. All right, now to jump into our main discussion for today's podcast. There's a lot of discussion on Twitter, on you know articles coming out, everything like that. Now, if the Redskins should tank the rest of the season or try to win out, Nathan, what's your perspective on this? The local radio station today, they did a segment on what the expectations for the Redskins should be, and one of those, Danny Ruye for 106.7 The Fan, he said that they should have a slogan for the season of pack it up, pack it up, pack mm-hmm. it in, let's work on getting a draft pick, and I'm all for that. I think anything else from here doesn't do anything. They're only one or two players away, and that's how big mistakes get made. That's how terrible trades, terrible pickups and free agency get made overvaluing draft prospects because you think that that position is a greater need because that's all you're missing. So I'm all for tanking, letting everybody know, you know what, this wasn't the year. We're not as good as we think or we want to be, and we need a better draft spot. See, the draft guy in me is really for you here. I, I mean, I definitely want a higher pick. Cause, I mean, you you look at picks. I know this is – I saw this comparison the other day. It's kind of a horrible comparison, but I'm going to say it. The difference between the 11th pick and the 16th pick is – you know, J.J. Watt was 11th overall pick, and Ryan Kerrigan was 16th pick. Now, both great players. I'm not trying to compare, but there's more talent available at picks 10, 11, 12, whatever, than there is at 16, 17, or 18. Exactly. But to play a little bit of devil's advocate here, I'm terrified of this FO. I really am. This front office scares the crap out of me, and I'm scared that if we don't go 9-7 and seven or 8-8, eight and eight, they're going to blow this whole thing up. And Bruce Allen is the main reason. I don't trust the guy. I've never trusted this guy. I really do think if we go 9-7, and 8-8, eight and eight, they'll consider bringing back Kirk or at least tagging him or whatever. And I, I really do think if we don't have Kirk on this team, it sets our, our roster back quite a few years. So basically in all of that, I want us to win out. One, for the culture, mainly because I want these guys to have an established mindset of winning. I want them to go out strong, win, win four games here, go 9-7. and seven. You know, Feel good about yourselves going to next year and feel like you can build off it. 
and then bring back Kirk. Keep going with the path that you're going here. Just because I don't want this front office to blow it all up. That's my main thinking there. You think that if we don't go 9-7, the front office will blow it up? No, I think in the sense of the coaching staff, I think they're safe. They just gave Jay Gruden attention. They like Jay Gruden. Jay Gruden is a Bruce Allen guy, much like Jason Garrett is a Jerry Jones guy, and they've had terrible seasons, and he still has a job. So I think while the front office will be disappointed and make some decisions that are rash, most likely under center, I think Jay Gruden's safe. Now, the Kirk situation, thats we know how unique it is. I'm sure everybody's beating their head against the wall having to hear it again, but... <laughs> I think that decision is made and has been made for a very long time. I think that winning out and going 9-7 and seven or losing out to get a draft spot isn't going to affect that Kirk Cousins situation because I think he's headed for the tag, and if he's not, he's heading for free agency because he has no reason to negotiate here. He has no reason to accept a long-term deal here. They've treated him like crap since he got in the building. He can go anywhere else. Look at Jacksonville. He goes there. They're an instant Super Bowl contender. So I think that... The decision from his front is he wants out, and I think the front office doesn't want to pay the money. So I, I, I think they're looking for any reason to get rid of him, and that Cowboys game might be the one they could say, well, you know what, we're not good enough. Committing $34 million or $28 million over five years to one guy is not smart for our team, and they're going to use that and let him walk and try to turn him into the bad guy and sell it to fans that they're more than one player away, which they are, which is, you know, you don't want to spend $28 million, $30 million on a one guy, but they're going to try to make it less of a deal than it is and try Case Keenum out there on a $20 million per Ugh, year deal or gross. or pick up Teddy Bridgewater and his, his glass knees. So I think the decision's made up, and I, I'm not worried about the part of the, them blowing everything up. I'm just all for that draft pick, man. Yeah, I completely get it. I mean, again, the draft guy in me, if it wasn't for my fear of losing Kirk Cousins, I would all, I'll be all for tanking. I just, I really hope, man, I I'm, I don't know. I don't know what to think about the situation anymore. I just really hope he's back. I really think it would be a dumb decision, but, again, I'm not in that building. Do you think the Redskins should bring up a bunch of young guys, IR some guys who have been iffy all year, kind of get some young guys out there, just not to kind of try to tank, but kind of see what you got, but also with the understanding that you're probably not going to win many games with these guys playing? Yeah, uh, one thing they did do is they promoted Robert Davis, which I'm very excited about. I think one of the biggest needs going into the offseason is wide receiver for this team because the wide receiver core this year, I mean, we're 11, 12 games in, and it has been terrible. So I think bringing him up, you know, I know he's raw. He's a raw prospect. We'll see what you have in him. I think that's exciting. And I think I think IRing people, it's like a case-to-case basis. I think Trent Williams shut him down. Jordan Reed shut him down. Jonathan Allen, it's debatable. I mean, however you feel about that foot, he's, you know, what's the point of bringing him back to win three or four games when you're not going to make the playoffs? But I would keep guys like Morgan Moses out there. Monte Nicholson's healthy. I think with Sue Cravens potentially coming back, he said he has some big news coming up soon. So I think if Monte Nicholson can get out there, you got to put him out there. It's a case-to-case basis, and I think if you're healthy enough to play, unless you're Trent Williams who's going to, you know, hurt himself more, or Jordan Reed who's going to, end up getting hurt again, I think you should just you know rest them up and get ready for next year. Yeah, I'm definitely with you on there. Would you bench Kirk Cousins for Colt McCoy, see so you got in Colt McCoy? No, I think we know what we have in Colt McCoy. Colt yeah. McCoy is a quarterback that's going to come in the final four games, go 2-2 two and two or 1-3, and three, and that's all he's good for. You know, you try it out 16 games next year, and you're going to be a 4-12, 3-13 team next year. So I think we know what we have. Now, the debate of resting Kirk because they're not going to sign him, 
I guess you can make that argument if you want to maybe try to, you know, keep him healthy so you can tag and trade or, you know, sign and trade with the transition tag. You can make that argument, but I, I see him going out there. I don't see any reason to rest him unless you pull on or embracing the tank. And even then, I think that would raise some eyebrows up in New York in the NFL headquarters. Yeah, if they were to bench Kirk for these last couple games, it would basically be a sign to all Washington fans that he's not our quarterback. He's never going to play for us again if they do that. Yep. And I, I don't know, I'm going to be one sad dude if that happens. But Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that winning out establishes any kind of culture? Do you think there's any like culture thing involved with winning out or losing out, anything like that? On a properly functioning team with the front office that knows what they're doing and doesn't act like a diehard fan does, yes. But this team, no, I think... If they went out and they win these four games, all that's going to put in their head is false hope that, again, they're only a couple players away. They're one move away. That's what gets the Albert Haynesworth signing. That's what gets the Donovan Nab trades. So I think that actually winning out hurts them more than it does anything for them because while you have guys in the going into the offseason who feel good about the team, you have the arrogant guys up top who think that, okay, well, a cheaper quarterback option in Case Keenum, and then you sign a better – you trade for – a mid-round pick for Josh Gordon is the answer, and you have mistakes on top of mistakes, and this team you know, crumbles back down on top of losing a good draft spot. So you don't want to win out because you don't trust the FO. I don't want to lose out because I don't trust the front office. So clearly what we can really take out of all this is Nate and I really don't trust this front office here. We, we both kind of think regardless they're going to make the wrong move, so it'll be interesting to see how this all closes out. Now before we jump into our last bit of talk that we're going to have on today's podcast i just want to say to you guys we have a great slate of people coming on for the rest of the week tomorrow we will do the weekly mailbag and then after that on thursday we will have steve seifert return to the podcast he was actually our first ever guest here so it'll be really exciting and then steve shoop will also be on either this week or next week i'm still trying to hash out when you'll come on but steve shoop of fan speak will also be on so be sure to tune to all those those great episodes guys we will have some very awesome guests and provide some great content for y'all We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. So today is the beginning of a new segment I'm going to have here on the show because it is draft season officially for the Redskins. We are out of the playoffs. I mean, not technically out of the playoffs, but we're out of the playoffs. We're, we're not going to hit the thousand scenarios that it takes to make the playoffs. So we have a new segment here on the podcast. We are going to be doing Pick a Daily Prospect. And I asked Nate to do it. It'd be the first one because he's our guest. So Nate, go with your first prospect. Who is your Pick a Prospect for today? My guy is Baker Mayfield. I think we need a quarterback because I think this Kirk Cousins situation ends without a long-term deal. I think we are in no way, shape, or form in a position to trade up to get Sam Donald or Josh Rosen. Take your pick. I I do not want to draft Lamar Jackson. I think that it's RG3 the second coming. And I just love what Baker Mayfield brings. I I know he doesn't have the biggest arm in the class or the the best accuracy, but I think he plays hard. Plays well. The guy's a winner, man. He gets on that field and he just – sees red and takes it over. I like what he has. I think he'll bring a lot of energy, a lot of that Russell Wilson break out of the pocket, extend and make plays off script type stuff. And I think he's I think he's one helpful quarterback. 
Yeah, that'll be the one thing that he adds that Kirk Cousins always kind of lacked here when he was our, when he's our quarterback, or you know, if going forward he's still our quarterback, is the ability to make plays off script. Now, Kirk has definitely got better at it, but it still has definitely been a weakness of his throughout his career. Do you think Baker's going to win the Heisman? Yeah, I absolutely do. Yeah, I think that there's a couple guys who maybe should have been involved yeah. there that weren't Saquon Barkley. I think he's going to win. I don't think Lamar Jackson has done enough because I know they do take record into account, and he had some. They had a couple losses here where he didn't play particularly well. And I think the other one is Bryce Love from Stanford, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah, I, I haven't watched any of his stuff, but I heard, you know, I saw his name on the feed a lot, a lot of his little clips. So I think he could win. But I think when you have a guy like Baker Mayfield, who I actually looked up some stats for this, he has 4,300 yards, 41 touchdowns to five interceptions, and he has another 300 rushing yards with five, five touchdowns and has had come up some big wins against Ohio State at home. So I think that when you factor all that in and what he brings to that Oklahoma team, I think that he's going to win it hands down. Yeah, man, I'm a big fan of Baker Mayfield. If Kirk Cousins is not the quarterback, I'd be all for drafting Baker, especially even if it's the first round because I know his size is a little scary, but he's he slings the ball yeah. out there. He makes plays outside the pocket off script. And you know his ability in the pocket is actually fairly underrated too. So I, I really do like Baker Mayfield. I think he's going to be a very good NFL quarterback so I'd be fine with the residents taking him if Cousins isn't our quarterback next year now last question about him though do you have any concerns with his off field or the even the on field antics that he has like the nut grabbing and the placing <laughs> the flag and all that stuff I know he has the the DUIs and the drunk public issue a little bit of a concern but I also think that that's just a college kid making bad decisions I don't think that he is a career offender off the field like some players in the NFL have been on the field, I think he does need to control his temper. I like the nut grabbing and the, the flag slamming into the Ohio State O. I like that a lot. I think that's passion. I think that is how a quarterback, when the season's getting toward the games or you go through a tough stretch, that's how a quarterback keeps the locker room is having that passion, that fire. So I like it. I'm not worried about it. I understand that the, with that comes some flags. With that comes some stupid pushing and shoving, gets guys thrown out, but Overall, I, I like what he brings. I like what he does on the field. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I'm all for him. I, I do think that not grabbing all that's a little much, but you know what? If it's a fire guy that motivates the locker room, grab your nuts all you want. I don't care. It's fun yeah. and whatever. If, if the guys are rallying around you and you're the leader at the end of the day, who cares what you do on and off? Well, off the field kind of matters a little bit, but on the field, yeah. not as much. Well, you see guys like Tom Brady gets his team fired up. You saw, I know there was a video that, uh, Surfaced a couple years ago, I guess it was a mic'd up where he's on the sideline after they come off and they scored a touchdown. He goes up to his off- offensive line, and gets in their face, starts young. We're not done yet. We're not done yet. And I'm sure they went on to win that game by a three touchdown margin. You see Drew Brees in the huddle pregame getting his guys all hyped up. So I-, I think there's a lot that goes into a quarterback being able to motivate and bring that fire and will his guys. Because, I mean, there are going to be games where he's going to be able to will his team to a win. Those, those nitty gritty. 13 to 10 games where you guys are just, it's like slam into a brick wall for both teams. You know, the fire and the passion to be able to get you guys going can will your, your team to a couple wins a year. Yeah, for sure. And Baker brings all that, and that is definitely an intangible thing that you look at when you're looking at Baker Mayfield. Now, my prospect of the day that I'm going to go into is kind of a little bit of an underrated guy, not a big guy like Baker Mayfield, but Greg Stroman, cornerback out of Virginia Tech. Now, a little background on Stroman. He is a senior cornerback for Virginia Tech, six foot, one hundred eighty pound guy. He's actually from Bristow, Virginia, right where where Nate and I actually live now. Uh, he went to Stonewall High School. 
as a, I think he was a quarterback there, actually, at Stonewall High yep. School. Yep. Uh, his career stats are nine interceptions, one interception return for a touchdown, 27 pass breakups, and four punt return touchdowns. And then he also made 20, he was also the 2016 second team all ACC selection by the coaches. And this year, he's likely going to be a first or second team as well. Now, things I like about this guy is he's a very underrated corner. He doesn't start most games, but he has ability to play like nickel, he let dime, slot corner, outside corner. He brings it all. And I know he's a smaller guy, really small frame, and that's going to hurt him. But he can play all around outside, inside, and he's going to be a very good depth piece for a team. And my favorite thing about him is he's a very reliable, explosive punt returner. And, you know, if you can have your depth corner, your third, fourth, fifth string corner that can return punts like him, he's going to make the NFL roster for many years. Do you know anything about uh, Greg Strom or you watched any of him in college yet? I've seen a couple, a couple plays of punt returns and stuff like that, but I haven't watched him play corner per se. I'm not a big Virginia Tech guy. I do remember him in high school. Man, that kid, that kid was fast. We could not. He ran all over us. So I think, you know, having that, that aspect, you say he's a pretty good corner, good depth guy. I think Rashad Breland leaves in free agency this offseason, so you're down a, a cornerback. You can bring in a veteran, but I think bringing in him kind of reminds me of, it sounds like another Kendall Fuller, kind of like a slot guy. He's going to make some plays for you, use his speed to, you know, maybe make up for a little bit of lack of his true corner skill, which is good. And being able to be a punt returner for this team, I mean, we saw the debacle that was James Lee Crowder on Thursday night, so that alone will have a big impact. And I, I'm blanking on his name right now, but I know the DB's coach for – Washington this year is the former Virginia Tech DB's coach. So I think that would also factor into him maybe being drafted here and what he can do in a Redskins uniform. Yeah, exactly. Actually, I was just about to bring that up. Yeah, Torian Gray does did work with Stroman when he first got there. He was Torian, Torian Gray was his coach there when Stroman first got into college. I think it was only for like his freshman year. But so Torian Gray and Stroman do know each other. They, he played under him. And also, again, like what you said with the punt return. Jameson Crowder has been a train wreck back there, so we can officially get him off a of punt return, get Stroman back there, who's a reliable, explosive guy, and there won't be the need for Crowder to go back there and fumble every play. I think Gruden even said after last game that like he doesn't have anyone else to put back there, and that that's yeah. one that's insane. But two, we can finally get him <laughs> off if we got Stroman back there, and not have yeah. Crowder, who you know he's he's your starting receiver, so there's always the risk of a guy get, of him getting hurt, and then there's also the fumbling issue and all that this year. So get him off there. Get Stroman, who's a nice depth piece who can develop under Torian Gray and can return punts for you in the meantime. Yeah, and I and another thing that is unrelated and has nothing to do with what is the full, the skill of football is I love the hometown prospect coming back and playing for the team. I love Jonathan. I was my favorite player in the draft last year. I loved him coming back, grew up in Ashburn, being able to come here and play again. So I think Greg Stroman coming here and being able to play would get a lot of fans excited and have that Kind of like a fan favorite thing like Sue Cravens had a couple years ago and now Jonathan Allen had this year. So I think it will keep eyes on the TV, get the team excited, get the fans excited, and we'll be able to smooth over some of the mistakes that will be made or some of the areas that lack based off excitement for when he does make a couple plays. Oh, dude, I'd be so excited to see a guy who grew up just a couple minutes away from us you know, making it for the Redskins in the NFL. That would be an awesome story. That would be great. Then hopefully we can just get Tim, Tim Settle there the next year and have all the the hokey boys from around here playing for the playing for the skins. Deshaun Hand. Oh uh, yeah, but hopefully Deshaun Hand. I mean, he's got the upside, man. All right, guys, that is all we have for today's episode. Thank you again for for tuning in, Nathan. Any last words before we call today? I guess we got four more. Let's go see what we can do. Yep, exactly. Let's see if the skins can win out or tank out. I mean, we both said our piece on that, so we'll see if it's good or bad. Whatever happens here, but we got the tough Chargers this week, a team that's going for a division over there in the AFC West. I'm not expecting big things from the skins. 
but we will try to break that down tomorrow along with doing our weekly mailbag. So guys, be sure to tune into tomorrow's show. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.